0: to the Danger Room, a place to prepare for the opponents you are yet to face. We discuss strategy and how to level up your game in Marvel Crisis Protocol. We will have our Xavier Protocol segment, some hot takes discussing something new and shiny, and our main topic of the week. We would like to begin by thanking you, the listener, for giving us your time to listen to our opinions of the game. On the podcast, we have Jacob, Sploosh, and myself, Dizzard. Welcome back to another episode. This week we'll be having a bit more of a relaxed episode and a guest. You may know him as the Thanos Breaker in the Discord, but welcome one of our patrons, TBE Matt. Hi guys. So I gotta ask, what what does the TBE stand for?
1: Uh, So a few pals um, and I do a magic podcast called the Blue Envelope Podcast, uh, Mm. which we do through Discord Uh, so it's a little handle at the front of it. Um, In Magic, when they used to give out invites to the Pro Tours, traditionally they were given in blue envelopes uh, when you won the tournament, hence the name.
2: Wow.
1: Wow, cool.
3: Yeah, no idea. You're making me want to talk about Magic now. I'm going to have to talk to you after this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, so go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, and um, where you come from, and how you got into the game, and what you do uh,
1: so i live in the middle um of the uk uh, and i got into marvel very begrudgingly about july of last year uh, a bunch of the local players and the local stores was trying to promote it um, which was obviously very bold given that we were in lockdown at the time um i, I really didn't want to buy in i'd played a few games with my pals who'd come over played a couple in the local store that kind of thing um, and I, you know, I didn't want to spend like 200 pounds, $300 on this new game if everyone was just not going to be playing it in six months. And then I played it, and then I thought about it, and I realized how fantastic it is. And it's just, it's just such a well-designed well game. I've got a big Magic playing background. Um, I've played on the Magic Pro Tour about six times. Um, I do um, help out on event coverage for it as well. Um, which was awesome. So I spent sort of 2017, 2018 working abroad at their tournaments, getting paid by wizards to input life totals into their software, um, which I used then used to buy a house. So I've got quite a good history in gaming. And then came oh, wow. to this game and listened to lots of podcasts like this one, sort of got my feet under me and decided I should start playing on TTS. And obviously this has been some of the best gaming that one can do when you're not allowed outside to play actual games and that sort of gets me to now.
0: Yeah, um it's it's definitely like a great avenue to be able to play games still and especially with like all the competitiveness that we get going on with it. Um so I mean, obviously are you uh, in the current season 4 TTS league?
1: I am, yeah, and happily managed to win my win my first uh match. My dice were absolute fire. Um which which certainly helped and if anyone had watched that game it certainly made my sort of thanos based roster look very good um if you're rolling sort of you know six or seven hits on every dice you're you're probably going to win most of your games regardless um i think talking a little bit about sort of like how i got to thanos was quite good because obviously i've not really been playing this game for very long at all um and whenever, whenever I approach a new game, and I think a lot of people will be in this sort of situation because this game's not been out for very long. I always try and work out what the sort of axioms are that, that the game is working to, like, you know, what's happening on turn one, what's happening on turn two. How can you build your list and stuff? And whenever you look at a new game, whether it's a card game or a miniatures game or, you know, a board game that you've just bought you can always find what the most powerful things to do are by looking at what the sort of base rules are, like how much power things gain a turn or how much damage they do or how often they move, how many actions they get. And then find the things that that don't do that, that do something slightly different. And in sort of summer last year, I had a look and I was like, what are the things that fundamentally break the rules of the game and how the game's expected to play? And the first one was, was really obvious. It was Corvus and Proxima. Because, you know, getting to go twice in a row, it looks like the best thing about that is getting to go twice in a row and activate one model, then another, and, you know, jump the gun. But then actually you're gaining priority, which means you're going to jump the gun on them again next turn, and then again. So I thought that was really broken. And then also um, drop-off looked pretty broken. Um, and I read it, and I thought, this card looks like it's a character getting an extra move and then an extra attack. Um, And that's how it was sold to me when I think when someone first described how good it was. And then I said to them, I was like, hang on, that's not true, though, is it? It's not one extra move and an extra attack. It's three extra attacks on that turn. And they were like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, if my character would normally double move to the middle to get to a secure, if I drop them off into the middle, they end up in the middle, then they get a free attack. And then when they activate, they get two attacks. So the action economy there is just like, that's just way, way off. What it should be. Um, and obviously, you know, drop off ended up getting banned.
4: Uh, <laughs> and then functionally reprinted in A
1: Force. E- exactly, which is, which is where we're at now. Um, and then I, I also experimented with some other like really crazy stuff at the start, which was um, a Corvus Proxima drop off list that at 17 also played Thor in one so that you could also be. Charging in on turn one and getting that extra thing, because I just watched all these games and heard all the people talking about the game. And turn one was just this moving turn where you know you picked up an extract, moved to a secure like if your opponent positioned badly or you had lots of range four characters, you might get to do some attacks on turn one. Like so, Modok was really good because he'd often be like the one of the best things you could be doing at that point, as I understood it, was you know red sculling your Modok forward. And then maybe double attacking someone in the middle and dazing them, and that was like a great turn. Um, and then I played Corvus and Proxima against my sort of pals on the kitchen table for a bit, and it was so good that we, with drop off and rocket boots, that I just stopped playing it in fun games. Um, and and so I thought to myself, like, what what's going on? And one of the big discourses on sort of other podcasts and and on this one was, you know, are you playing trying to play four characters and have like, say, in your cabal list and have try and get priority. Or are you playing five and trying to get the last activation? And I thought, can you play three? Does that work? Um, and it turned out, yeah, you really can. Because um, just having priority every turn of the game is, is, is really, 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 really strong.
3: This is good stuff. I, I, um, I had planned on bringing um, Corvus Proxima into, like, the um, the top if I made the cut in the last Season 3. Because it, I agree with you completely. That was just the most broken thing ever. And I think I was in denial early on. And I was just like, oh, I don't like it. It's gross. And then by the end, I was like, all right, I give up trying to fight the system. And then, of course, it got uh, nerfed hard, which is great for the game. And luckily, they uh didn't keep... Uh, that was another thing, too. It was a big discussion in Season 3 about were they going to let the players keep the stuff that was banned just to finish out the season? And I was like, no, don't do that. That's just, then we're going to see a game that no one wants to see for the next few weeks. So I'm glad they didn't do that. But I completely agree with you. That's where I was at, at end of season three.
4: And remind me, are you bringing Corvus in season four, Sploosh? I am. <laughs> <laughs> and Corvus and Modoc. It's still
3: good uh, because Storm and uh, you know, what you can do is, and I've kind of gone over this a little bit, but I've kept it a little vague on purpose. No offense, guys, but uh, you know you can do like Proxima move up, position for a leap, and then like Corvus leap over her on the activation and just put Corvus on somebody and kill them, right? And then like um, Matt said perfectly, is like. With husband and wife you kill someone but then you activate twice so you don't lose or you might steal priority or if i don't get priority on turn one i just purposely activate corvus proxima and then i get priority for the second turn where it matters a little bit more So yeah like i completely agree
0: <laughs> uh, so we're gonna go ahead and uh move into talking about our hot takes for the week and this week we're gonna talk about enchantress i know sploosh has been dying to talk about this for months. So go ahead and open up for us on this one, Sploosh.
3: Well, I don't know about dying, but I I've definitely have a weird history with her. Um, it's like I thought she was okay, then I thought she was really good, then I thought she was really bad, and then I realized she is really good. And uh, like, I think one thing I would just say about her is she's intended to be played in a list that wants to win the game by like turn three. And I think every turn after turn three, she's probably getting a little worse. Uh, you know, obviously, due to the way her defense works, um, she. Thank God she is not affiliated with a force, because I think that'd be insane. <laughs> like I think you would just bring Enchantress, Okoye, and She Hulk uh, a lot, and because mm-hmm. you got the two characters that can go bodyguard for, her, and I, and she does combo with bodyguard. I think we've been over that a bunch in previous episodes, but you know, the person has to choose to pay the power, then you can choose to bodyguard or not. And that's just kind of crazy. Um, I watched uh, GD Nerd play his first game this week or last week for season four, and both of them were playing Enchantress, and it was like probably one of the most absurd games I've ever watched. Uh, they they barely attacked each other for at least a turn or two. It was just like one person walks up, grabs the objective, the next person walks up, steals it from him with like R and D, And the other person goes, moves up, attacks, steals it from that person and then like miles did like an attack to steal off the like web thing on turn 2 right first action i was like what is happening here like it's just like they're playing a game of keep away and no interaction so i think enchantress the way um we've discussed again previous episode but uh, how asgard is uh, really good with um, citizens and hired muscle and a huge part of that is enchantress uh, her ability to not use an action and steal an objective and then Basically, it's like zero variance. I mean, we we talk a lot about how there's lists, you know, c- kind of controly lists like Wakanda that can do you know zero variance control, and so being able to take an objective and then just re- is really nasty. It doesn't even in a list. Obviously, the Asgard keep away strategy is like a whole thing in it itself. But you know, we're seeing now.
2: people pluck condo so i i, I don't know. I know, uh, um, just good. It might not,
3: like, become this, like, controlling situation. Uh, but Enchantress kind of fits there because she loves the power she can throw then probably down from there but still very good and she's super popular in the league right now and i i don't know maybe like criminal syndicate too because their whole their gap might be slightly extracted based and so maybe you're running like a core criminal syndicate and then you throw an enchantress there just to like throw people off it, going back to the gd nerd game though i it's like I've I came to this game with this idea of like interaction. Um when I played Magic, I loved interactive decks and like I always was like the I always liked the idea that the opponent was trying to do something and I wanted to like say no to it or at least mitigate it. And and to me that's like fun. Um and seeing people just grab and extract from someone and then just run away and then seeing the other person chase them and then grab it from them and then try to run away, that's not really like very fun for me, but as long as it's balanced and and all that, it's it's whatever.
4: I mean I, it is what it is. But yeah, I don't know. Um Jake, if you wanna uh, Yeah, well okay, so Spoosh, I've got a question for you, which sounds like it's not linked, but it really is. What is the most powerful thing on Modoc's card?
3: Uh <laughs> I see where you're going with this. Probably bow
4: <laughs> Yeah, it's bow to the will of Modoc. And uh she's got that exact same ability almost word for word on a 4-threat character rather than a 5-threat character. And for me, I mean, messing around with Extracts is great, uh, but for me, what she is all about is just the control that she brings activating towards the end of a turn moving people around or you know pulling people into a a spurned affection that's her beam three builder um pulling them in so that she can get multiple power gain off them and then sap power for even more power gain so she can move even more people it's just (laughs) what 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 you can do with her is just ridiculous so um you know she's good players are going to get an enormous amount of value out of her and she's definitely up there right as a top tier four threat character um yeah in, in a lot of lists i think she replaces vision and vision was already a really good character a really good like, he was in contention for you know top tier four threat character and in those fast fast control builds she is better than vision so yeah wakanda web warriors uh teams like that who've got this game plan to move people around a bunch and score a load of vps she is brilliant at that
3: Yeah, I guess with the Vision thing, I I was saying how Vision at least has the two-cost throw, but like with Bow, it's actually, for Wakanda, for example, it's just flat-out better, because it's more range. It's not range too restricted. It's not doing damage, which if you're playing like a control list, you want to mitigate giving other people power. I mean, yeah, and then you could do it to multiple targets, so good grief, yeah. Um, She's a good character.
0: And then with the affiliation update, what else did she get added to again? Uh, it was Asgard and cabal, cabal? cabal. um, yeah. so having Modok and enchantress <laughs>
4: that's all i have gotta say on the matter yeah.
0: <laughs> and, it's, yeah. and it's affiliated,
3: man, cabal is like so weird man I, I don't know i at some point I need to like go back to cabal and see what's going on <laughs> go over back there. to
4: your go back to your roots, yeah. yeah I mean, it, it, always wanted like a fast win game, but they did it typically through dazing, and that's how they got their VPs to like win probably more often than not round four rather than round three. But I think with the new control they've got and the new powerhouses they've got, the, yeah, uh, I feel like Cabal's due so let's, let's a
0: renaissance. They certainly are trying. Let's look at this real quick. You got Modoc with the a little Modok. You have Enchantress with her Siren's Call, Mystique you got Deception. Mystique with Deception. Um and then Red School. Well you got you got, so, so you got Red School there, so that's what four, eight, uh math, uh thirteen and sixteen great for, radio. for those people right there. Yeah. <laughs> um but sixteen threat for just those characters right there with a whole bunch of control.
3: I've seen it all. Well, going on what Matt's been saying, though, uh, th- I've, had, I've heard talks and seen people pushing for like the Modoc Magneto team. Mm-hmm. So you kind of going big three. And um, I'll be actually really interested to hear more about what Matt has to say about three characters being viable. Because that definitely rewrites some of the things I've kind of understood to be normal in this game. You know, with the exception of obviously Black Order, I I think they, and that does include Thanos as well. But it's like Corpus is also crazy, and there's you know obviously we all know Black Order is doing some wild things. But it it the idea that that's more viable in other affiliations that's that's rewriting some things I've just understood to not be true. So I'm really interested to hear more about that. Yeah, well, oh, again, yeah. you saw it with
4: with sooner and his seven white guardians last season that everyone was like, that's, that's not very good. That's not going to do very well. And then he, he did do really well. So I think, you know, I think we've kind of got to keep questioning some of those things that we think we believe to be true. Mm. And I think, uh, yeah, Matt, I think you
1: realize when you look at a lot of people's rosters, um, that that they don't really have a plan. Like they think they've got a plan but what they've actually got <laughs> is some affiliated characters six crises and eight tactics cards like they don't they don't go into the game saying i'm going to win this game by doing exactly this and so what happens is the rosters are emerging now that have have distinct plans and going back to cabal you know sort of a year ago they definitely did have a plan it was i'm going to move Modoc up to here and then I'm gonna start blasting you. And you know what? Chances are you don't have a plan as good as that. And so you look at like a random X-Men roster now, or you know, um a random Web Warriors roster, and their plan sort of I'll move about a bit and push you about. And then they beat a roster like Asgard, who's doing that slightly worse, and then they lose to Wakanda, who's doing that slightly better. And and I think that's where you see a lot of these sorts of sorts of issues and a lot of the sort of the conventional wisdom, because I've got a big, I've got a big thing about um, how the conventional wisdom of this game is is almost comes down to like a a, a gentleman's agreement that what's going to happen is we're going to split our forces into two, maybe three, dependent on the crisis um, setup and then i'm gonna and then on the left flank the model's gonna have a bit of a fight and then on the right hand the model's gonna have a bit of a fight and you might win the right i might win the left and then we'll see what happens with the extracts and the end game and then we'll see who wins and the way the sort of kill rosters the way the kill rosters work is they just don't play that game at all um they ignore the half you send to get two victory points and they kill the other half and then they kill the rest and then the traditionally great rosters like wakanda Are just so good at playing that game that that's why they can win so consistently yeah well they
3: reduce variance too which is always a component Mm, absolutely no matter how hard you try a kill roster still can roll badly and be sad about it which Um, which is
1: which is why the thanos list the reality gem is so important because if you're going to be showing up with your nine point kill model he needs to not be spiking badly you know re- reverse spikes right. anti spikes you know rolling five five misses and three hits or whatever on eight dice 100% are we anyone want
3: to mention anything about enchantress before we move on or oh i've got some numbers if you want them uh, you know you did to go over enchantress once upon a time and if i remember right the it was about the do you spend the power or not remember we had that discussion it was like something oh, like yeah, five if yeah. dice and I think this that
4: is, yeah, go ahead. This is this is more about her spender because she's got a kind of a, a crazy spender. Um, spender's called Enthral, and it's a seven dice mystic attack, cost three power, and is range three attack. Uh, and if you get one wild, then they get slowed. And if you get two wilds, they're slowed and stunned. And if you get three wilds, they're slowed, stunned, and staggered. Uh, and so I, I ran the numbers on this, and what what are the chances of those happening? um and uh, so one wild relatively simple to work out there's 60 percent chance of getting one wild so 60 percent so more than half the time you're going to slow them um that can be really good particularly if she's in uh, a team with she hulk because she hulk loves hitting people with, who are already slow with her spender attack uh, but then what are the chances of getting two of them it's 20 uh of getting two or more uh and only four percent of getting three so you're unsurprisingly you're, you're pretty unlikely hit those three wilds and get stagger. But then, especially because we've got Matt on and we're going to be talking Thanos later, I thought, well, what about if she gets death, to, death, to, Death's Decreed? To because oh, then she was... goes up to eight dice. And of course, if you've got more dice, you've got more chance of rolling a wild. So uh, you go up to a 70% chance of hitting at least one wild. And a thirty-one percent—that's up from twenty—so an extra eleven percent chance of getting off the uh, of getting off the stun. And there are some characters out there who really don't want to be stunned. Um, and uh, a small increase, only up five percent to nine percent chance of getting the stagger. But still, it's about one in ten of getting a stagger off. It's, it's you know it's going to happen occasionally, maybe if you death decree your enchantress. So just a little insight into the numbers on that attack there. I think most uh, of however, your listeners. Oh, sorry, Jacob. Yeah. However, having said that, I don't think in all the games I've played with, against, and watched Enchantress being played, I don't think I have ever seen anyone use her spender.
3: <laughs> wow. I don't think
4: I've so, ever used it. No, uh, there's just so many good ways she has to use her power. But I, I guess situationally, but you know, knowing the numbers can be useful.
1: I think most of your listeners, because um, you're. Your numbers feature is, is just like one of my favorite parts of listening to your podcast, and I think most people probably, like I do, aren't actually that interested in how likely am I to stun them, but they're very interested in exactly how outraged should I be when I get staggered? <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, pretty outraged. Just that's pretty pretty low odds.
0: I will say, when we first started doing this, one of our, I started introducing it with our your soon to be favorite segment, Xavier protocols. <laughs>
4: There was actually real debate between us about whether we should put this segment in at all, but I, I quite like it now. I'm I'm good with it. Yeah. Uh, I was I was always a fan.
0: Yeah, I've always liked the numbers. I like seeing the numbers behind everything and uh just like earlier when we were talking behind the scenes, Jacob, about um Taskmaster taking out Kingpin. Um it's just mm. it, it just goes to show like the numbers kinda like proves or disproves like how that that variance can change this game. Completely.
3: I think Matt summed it up pretty well. Really, like maybe maybe you don't care much about the numbers, but you, like you said, like how much does what just happened make me mad? Mathematically,
4: <laughs> <laughs> There's a number of times when after a game I've been right, I want to put that into Jarvis and see what's chance of that happening. Oh man. Yeah. Uh,
0: so moving on, uh, we're gonna do a quick recap, real quick, because week one of the TTS league is. Over. Um, and uh, so, just to do a quick recap, I played A Force against Syndicate, uh, really good opponent, and I I took the win on week one. How about you, Jacob?
4: Uh, I also got a win. Uh, I played against a really nice guy who uh, I felt a bit sorry for. I dropped um, Modok uh, on demons and uh, put my pentagrams list into him and Modok blew up the world uh, it, it, it ended with a total KO on like round 5 uh, jeez uh, some, 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 some slightly above average attacks on the first on the first turn which just set everything up to be a, a real uphill struggle but lovely guy, great game, enjoyed it uh, and I apologise profusely both for the dice and the list I was running <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's real similar to mine mine I had a really bad die spike on his side and a really good die spike on my side at the exact same moment um like i think i had a full seven hits on kingpin and he had zero blocks um and he ended up doing the the shirking one damaging then taskmaster just hit him once and it was good but uh Really good opponent, really bad dice. But he, he still toughed it out and played a really good game and made, made, it, made it fun.
3: Um, uh, so I used Hired Muscle and Spider Infected and was a jerk. Um, <laughs> uh, so I play X-Men, for people who don't remember. Uh, and I kind of like, um, I'll, I'll say this for Matt, like, to give the idea of the how you play the board in The Gentleman's Agreement. I, I had Storm on the right side alone, and she went up and grabbed her spider. And I, I used first class, so she also uh, flipped the madman thing. So she did two things for one. Uh, and then I had a Beast jump up, used his first class, pulled the things in, grabbed theirs, and ran away because X-Men are awesome. And then... Uh, Wolverine grabbed a spider, flipped a madman. So I'm up. I've used six power and three characters. Pretty good. And then uh, I made sure that Proxima had a spider and not Corvus, so that Corvus could kill people. Because uh, Corvus, you can't hold an objective and do the, the ninja flip move. Uh, and so then, yeah, Corvus was one-shotting everyone. Uh, I had Storm run away from the right corner on her fir- my first activation the next turn. Uh, and uh, then I was like, Hey, your Modoc and your Storm can hang out in that corner all by themselves. Uh, and I'm gonna be over here murdering. And I scored six, six, six. It was six points, six points, 6. six points, and the game ended in three turns. Uh, so that's that's Marvel Crisis protocol. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> that's uh, that's aggressive protocol. <laughs> yeah.
3: So, like, I that's actually something I I love about this game is, um, of not doing the gentleman's agreement. Uh, about to put half your army on one side, half on the other. I was just like, no, we're not playing like that. <laughs> and it worked out quite well.
0: How about you, Matt? How did your uh, week one go? Uh,
1: I played against uh, I played Asgard into a force at 19 threats, So demons and senators. I grabbed the senator on turn one. He had to charge in in special delivery to try and get it back off my Angela. I dazed his Angela on turn one. Um, Turn mm. two, I had priority, top of the round, her. so he was down five threat before he'd activated a model on his second turn. Um, then my Thanos. Um, then the rest of my team, Kayoda, She-Hulk on turn two. Uh, and then we just wrapped it up there. It took about 45 minutes. Um, my opponent was absolutely lovely. He lives about an hour from me, so I'm sure we'll meet at some tournaments in the future. <laughs> I had planned to sort of, you know, chat and get to know him a bit over the game, but when he was 11 threat down, Halfway through <laughs> turn two, it was there wasn't much to be said. <laughs> That's cool, though.
0: All right, so going on to like the main topic of the episode, we brought Matt on again today to talk about uh Thanos and like why he's so good and spectacular. So, why don't you go and try and sell us on Thanos, Matt?
1: So, basically, most people they're coming around to the idea now. But most people in most games don't expect their models to die particularly quickly. And so when they do, people, first of all, people aren't very practiced into it. Um, and secondly, people aren't used to not having priority all game. Because Black Order's never really been amazingly popular, um, to the best of my understanding, since I've been no. around. Um, it, yeah, it
3: was barely legal until Season 3, and even then it, it took um what's his
1: name there morgan to get people's attention mm. and and everyone is used to jacob you've said this a lot i think on both on both on your podcast and in discord about how interesting it is that we've had secure driven matters for so long and mm. what that means is that everyone knows what their what the secures are they want to play and then the extracts they play are just before hide muscle in particular the extract people extracts people played were just almost at random like i'd kind of like some power i'll play cubes like you can see this by how popular hammers is you've got all these all these lists playing all these rosters playing hammers and you're like so you just kind of like it is that why you're playing it and what that means is that you can often just get get extracts anyway and the two i think possibly best factions or two of the better factions, Criminal Syndicate and Wakanda, want to be picking secures anyway. And so all of these these things create a like perfect storm where Thanos sort of steps in. Um, because what what a Thanos, what a typical Thanos list looks like, and you can build a nine point Thanos time gem reality gem list at basically any points value and be affiliated now and it be like a perfectly serviceable roster um i'll say what mine is in the league at the moment in a moment but at 14 you can play um mystique and toad at 15 you can play two web warriors at 16 you can play storm and wolverine at 17 you've got a whole host of fantastic options like thor valkyrie or she hulk akoye rocket boots um or captain america and visions also pretty sweet Because with Thanos with a death decree with a portal, you can portal vision forward, and then you can Avengers assemble him, and then he's in the middle of the board basically. So you can be double beaming people on turn one, which is just ludicrous damage often. Um, But all these mean so you can have a three point list, and you can probably get extracts, and you're probably getting priority on turn two. So let's say you take spiders because that's quite a nice one because you can you know you can often get spiders. So the, I can't remember what the letter is that it is, but you know, it's the it's the five on a on a D six, isn't it? So you've got three characters. One of them grabs your your back one. The other one grabs the other back one. Now your opponent is forced into a situation where either they walk up and get that middle one on turn one with someone, or they're behind. Because if they if they aren't going to get it, you're definitely going to go up. And all of your models are incredibly tanky in all of these lists I've described, bar the ones at sort of fourteen and fifteen. So if they do grab a model, use a model to grab the middle extract, Thanos can take one move and then portal them in. And normally the board is set up where you've got some terrain, you can backstop them. And then he can put a six dice um, physical with great odds and then another one. And that's enough to daze most characters, especially when your wilds, if you've got a relevant terrain piece, your wilds are functionally counting as two hits because you're getting that extra throw damage. And what that means is often what happens on turn one, in the vast majority of your games, is not only do you go up on extracts on turn one, you also daze a character. And when you come to the top of round two, you're getting the first activation because you've only got three models, and then Thanos is putting three attacks into that dazed character. And there are very, very, very few models that can survive three attacks from Thanos, because it People often think that it's two six-dice attacks, like I've just said it is, admittedly. But actually, it's normally a a six-dice attack for the first one. And then if you've gained that extra couple of power, you can do an eight-dice counting with the Reality Gem, which is just, yeah, it's it's unbelievable amounts of damage. And if you start round two ahead on VPs, ahead on Extracts, and you've just killed one of their characters, the amount they're an underdog going into the rest of the game is just like astronomical and you don't have to be particularly lucky for that to come off um and it also works in the other extracts so like hammers that everyone likes to play um so you know you move to the left hand one you grab your back one they move someone to get the right hand one Thanos steps up beats the crap out of them and then that's the situation situation I just described apart from all your team have hammers and when you look at what I was saying about people's extracts not really having plans, you look at everyone's rosters with this Thanos list and, and it's so specific that you expect or I expect when I'm playing it to meet some resistance in the crises that my opponents have. But actually what I do is I look at all their extracts and it turns out all their extracts are the ones I want to play. So if, I get priori- if they get priority, they can't pick something that stops me doing my game plan. And if I get priority, it's almost like I got to pick both crises. Because I pick the secure I want, and then they have to pick one of the extracts that I want, and and that's the the situation you find yourself in most games, um, and it, it almost feels like playing like some hideous game of chess where like they move a model, I take it, and then next turn I take it again, and it's dead, um, and people just people are just so surprised, and people think that the, the it, it also comes with a sort of natural tilt factor because a reality gem thanos is so so much more consistent and it's rolling it's doing big strikes which are the strikes that people aren't used to happening as often in a game like you don't see that many six dice strikes happening over the course of the game whereas by the time thanos has activated twice he's probably done five of them so they expect at some point the numbers to be all your numbers to be lower but they aren't necessarily going to be and what that does is it also tilts people and when you get people who are tilting then not only have they just lost the model but they're not top of their game anymore um and i think that makes quite a big difference as well um and i think the reason the thanos list works now whereas a year ago or you know not quite a year ago um it didn't work as well um it's because now you've got uh, you've got a great supporting cast so you know when your 19 threat is three models, but the other two models are Thor and Angela, or your 17 is a drop-off She-Hulk, so the other thing you're doing is is also very powerful and proactive, Um, or going down to 16, you know, it's Wolverine and Storm, so you're really mobile, and, you know, you've got cover and survivable models. Suddenly, people can't just try and kill the other models and win that way, because those other models are quite good, so if they go well, my plan is I'll daze your Thor on turn two, and you know top around three instead of activating
4: Thanos, you activate a ten power Thor. So, you know it's still not going to be great for them. Just a quick one in case people were wondering about the fact you are doing three actions with Thanos. That's because you're taking him with the time gem, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and and if you're going to be having this really chunky Thanos, you um. He needs to be consistent, so he needs to be activating lots. And the reality gem means that he, he's going to, you know, not take as much damage. And I think um, your odds—you'll be able to tell us, as Jacob—I'm sure your odds with Thanos with the reality gem of taking no damage from a five dice strike are actually much higher than people think. I think it's fifty something percent. Does that sound about right?
4: That sounds about Ooh, right. To uh, me. Yeah. I'll just dig into that. Um... Give me a second.
3: Processing. Do you (laughs) want to like, what pulled you away from uh, Mind Gem? Because I'm sure, you know, if you ask the average person, they'd probably reflexively say, of course, you take Mind Gem on Thanos.
1: It's it's because when you've got, so essentially, if you're going for this three model list, you're doing it because you want to retain priority. And if you're retaining priority, moving one of their models when they're going to be able to activate one or maybe multiple models later in the round, doesn't have as big an impact. And you would either be losing. Basically, you have to have both at the time and the reality gem, because the time gem makes him. I'll get onto the time gem again in a moment. Um, the time gem makes him get to act more times. Obviously, the reality gem means he's really consistent. And it's not just the consistent damage; it's the consistent defences. So when he's blocking, you know. Um, if he's blocking 3-3 three, three per attack, which, you know, it's not going to happen every time, but it's going
4: to happen a lot, then... 24% of the time. Sorry? Uh, 24% of the time he blocks 3. Oh, but then he's got his damage reduction as well, hasn't he? So it's 57% of the time he'll be able to block 3 incoming damage.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's a huge amount of sort of, of, of defenses. Um, and if you lose either of the gems, then then you almost you lose a lot of a lot more power than they might be individually the reason the time gem is so important is people often say things like um instead of that time gem in your list you could have a two-threat character and that's great but all all effects in all games that we play are, are cumulative, aren't they so you know like one single lasgun shot from your um Imperial Guardsman in 40k, not a big 40k player, but I'm pretty sure that's right, you know, isn't isn't amazing. But, you know, when you add it to the other 60 that you've just shot, suddenly you're rolling like Pringle cans of dice. Mm-hmm. And so the reason the time gem is really important is a turn where you daze them and then can KO them next turn is a great turn. A turn where you just dealt them four damage is, is awful. Like the, 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 the big thing you learn in this game very quickly is don't make attacks that are crap. Like, don't make attacks that you know. If I if I hit your character and do three damage, and they gain three power, and then you get to activate them, I'm probably behind now. Whereas if I just not made that attack, maybe I'd not be. Yeah. Well, mm. or if you leave
3: someone at one health, you basically could have just left them at full, and it's like the same thing. Except now they have a lot of power. you know Yeah. Like you need to finish, or you're wasting time.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
4: And the, other point, the other point: if you've added a two-threat character to your list. Then, if they've gone four wide and you've gone four wide because you took less gems on Thanos and you've now gone four characters, and you've just dazed one of their characters, they're going to have priority next turn. It's, it messes with your priority manipulation.
1: Yeah, and and the the skill to it is 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 making sure that you're dazing and king models that have already activated, which normally isn't too hard because they're normally the ones closest to you anyway. Because they want because it's sort of perversely works that they want to activate the models close to you so they don't get dazed. So you can daze them without costing yourself priority. Um,
4: and so what you're saying is I should act and run all of my models towards Thanos is what I should do. <laughs> yeah and is you that can't what take you came on here to try and persuade people to do. <laughs> yes that can... like says run everything towards Thanos, it'll be
0: fine. Yeah if you swarm him he can't react.
4: Yeah, there are a bunch of models
1: that can that can take him out. Um, the thing is, they're just they just have to be in quite. You just have to play them in quite smart ways. Like they can't and they can't be the model that just got dazed on turn one. So they have to end up. They have to be quite mobile models as well, and and
4: that sort Go of on thing. On the so uh, give us your hit list. If I want to kill Thanos, that's my game plan against you. Which models should I be bringing? So. I've definitely lost him to the
1: um, back end of Wolverine a couple of times. Um, because normally I've... It's been in a couple of games where he's ended up being dazed before he got the opportunity to no matter the cost. And then he, he really does come out swinging at that point. Um, MODOK's obviously pretty good against him. Not a lot of people play Modoc at the moment. And then you get, you know, you get the occasional Valkyries um, who have great turns. Anyone who can manipulate their dice, Magneto. Obviously, Magneto is pretty great. Um, Magneto is quite easy to control, though, because he only moves little, and you can send him through portals to go backwards and stuff.
0: My question is, is is it better to try and kill him, or is it better to try and manipulate him and like make you do things with him you don't want to do? Like, using one of your three actions to move instead of having to attack, like just push you out of the way, or uh, just all the control variances to that is Is that effective against Thanos in that's, your mind? Or that's do you an think absolute, it better to kill him?
1: That's a great question. And I would have been better contextualized to answer it if I'd been more thorough in my previous descriptions. <laughs> the other reason that Thanos works now is that you have um, climbing gear as a tactics yeah. card. So you get that, you can get a free move every so, like once a game um, to put you in the position to get either three attacks or to sort of like, hot foot it across the board um, and i also have extreme conditioning in my list so often you can your one move you can often do in one move what you would have done in two so yeah you can control them not falling behind on extracts is really really important and almost impossible not to do um really tanky models um in particular as guardians with odin's blessing and um wolverine or, you know, Sabertooth with Exceptional Healing. Models that might be able to survive that turn one couple of strikes are quite helpful. Um, And or having extracts that are lower scoring so that you can try and manage um, the secures secures more. So basically, it's something you need to think about in your crisis selection when you build your roster. And then the weakness of the list is that it's not amazing into uh, wakanda and it does struggle with criminal syndicate um because they're obviously so good at dominating the secures and the reason they're be tanky like you're saying yeah be able to survive right and they can do that yeah exactly black panther might just you know not die to thanos a couple of turns in a row because his defenses are great and but the problem but the reason the list is so easy at the moment is because you also have the sort of um, the silver bullet of hard hard muscle and panic. So if they do pick secure, these rosters do pick secures. You can just and Thanos has the best hard muscle play because he can double move to get to do the hard muscle play, pick up your opponent's citizen, and then he can still move back. So he's the closest he's the furthest away from your opponent, and that move back puts him within range two of another model, so he can't be deceptioned.
3: oh that's gross yeah so I, I... so yeah
1: so and and you know not only that, but he also generates three power a turn for the for the citizen to, to whatever it's called evacuate them um
4: yeah, and, he's and very happy to evacuate someone and then punch somebody else and take their citizen and be ready to evacuate that next turn yeah exactly and and when you've got those three
1: um those three extracts you can just walk to one of the secures and then you can just watch as your opponent moves their models towards you and then double punch them until they're dead and <laughs> and and it's a and not only that but it's your best points value is 19 because 19 is when you can play angela thor and thanos with the asgard's affiliation bonus so you've got incredible healing your other models are really survivable and really really smashy and not only are they really smashy but they're really mobile so Thor is going to be able to move attack move a lot to get you that extra extract point Angela can sort of you know I think we've all seen games now with Angela where an Angela starts on one side of the board and then she ends up on the other side of the board with like a dazed three threat in the middle like yeah actions yeah, I think yeah, exactly. I think um, I think it's still a very strong list even without that. But what it does is it means your bad matchups can just be insane matchups two thirds of the time. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Ooh. It's not very fair.
0: I know we're we're kind of giving away all your secrets here with uh, yes. Thanos, but uh, you earlier you said that pretty much all the extracts that people are taking nowadays you want to see. So what are some extracts you don't want to see?
1: That is a fantastic question. Um, so the other thing about it is that you can develop, you can play, you can play A-Force just smoothed the Thanos list out so much. So I lost the final of the first one-day event to Pat um, because I didn't have a great Planet 14 in my roster. But now your plan is just to not have Thanos and to play um, Valkyrie, Angela, and She-Hulk. So you've just got this amazingly killy 14 which gets to retain priority. So perversely, it's, it's things like um, Wakandan Herbs isn't great um, because you just, there just aren't that many points uh, to get um montessi formula also isn't fantastic because there's only three vps in it and so you end up with two they end up with one and you're only getting a one point lead every turn so if you get a bad turn on the extract you can fall behind and then it's quite hard for you to catch up so i'd say those two are probably the weirdly the most games i've lost um on extracts were actually on um Scrolls, well, I just didn't manage to pick it up the first couple of times with Thanos. Because um, again, there's just no victory points in the extracts. So, yeah, Wakandan, Wakandan Herbs um, and Montesi Formula, I would say, are probably the two. Montesi Formula also makes your opponent's models more killy. And you don't really want their models to be more killy because that's sort of your jam. So, you're kind of playing uh, Asgard and A Force
3: with Thanos? That. Yeah,
1: so so my my roster this time around, which I think might change uh I actually can't remember off the top of my head, so I'm just searching for it. Um, my I might change to more heavily Asgard next time, but my roster this time round is um Thanos, Time Gem Reality, um She-Hulk, Okoye, Valkyrie, uh, Black Widow, Angela, Thor, and Toad um and when i build my rosters um i'm sure you guys do this as well i basically just i end up with a pad and paper most often i wish i could do it in my head uh, but i don't end up being able to and i just work out i write my draft roster and then i just work out what my plan is at every points value because you can pretty easily work out exactly what you're going to be playing into every crisis into every points value because you know what crisis has been chosen make you at that points value so you know 16 is the most obvious i know i'm playing um mayor fisk 19 i know i'm playing panic or demons um and so with this my 14 is angela She shihalkikoye which is incredibly strong um if you've got priority so i actually end up playing that quite often when i'm picking extracts i don't necessarily even pick panic because you can go angela check two to get the senator because she's got the move to do that and if she doesn't find it then you've got Okoye dropping off, uh, you've got Valkyrie dropping off um She-Hulk onto the other point if they pick it up with a senator. If they pick it up with a model. So again, all these like great turn one plays. My 15's a bit funny because I really, really, really don't want Wakanda to pick gamma into me. So I've actually got a five-wide A-force roster at um, 15, which I quite like. Um and then at sixteen, at sixteen, I think I'm probably just going to lose to criminal syndicate a lot. I'm worried that criminal syndicate are just like criminal syndicate picking secures, getting Mare Fisk is just like sneak the best thing um, you can possibly be doing. Um, that was just generally general. mean.
4: Yeah, yeah. Going to be my next question. Of okay, so you've won priority. You've, you're going to pick, I'm forcing me to pick secures. What secures are going to give me the best chance of beating you? Yeah, it's it's
1: mayor Fisk is quite good um, if you're if you've got the roster to really abuse it because there are going to be four points available every turn. One of the strengths of the small of the small kill list is anything that splits the board up doesn't tend to be very good for the non kill list player because you end up um you end up having um half of your force on one side half on the other and the the list just kills the models on one half scores two vps and, and and is great um the the crises where you flip something um you know demons are they called is it called controlling the point I can't remember you know where you put one of your little yeah. markers on it and oh, you score right, those VPs. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: yeah. So, um, uh, uh, Deadly Meteors or Spider Portals or Mutant Madmen.
1: Yeah, they're they're pretty good because you, you you can do clever things against the sort of three-man Thanos list. So you can you can try and be quite safe by just scoring sort of the back two. Um mutant madmen's probably quite good because you can score the back two. And then later in the game, you can start using your larger amounts of models to just run to the other ones and flip them over. And the Thanos player doesn't really want to have to be walking backwards to score points. And that's, that's the best thing to be doing against it. But I'm not, in the games I've played, I've not really been particularly worried. Um, the other fantastic thing you can do um, is put Shuri through a pentagrams and push two models back. And then put Hawkeye through and slow them. That's really good. I don't want to see that happening.
4: Yeah, uh, we talked a little bit about controlling Thanos. Or, uh, like positioning. About controlling him through statuses. You know, hex is one that's bring mind Shock be another. One. Slow even might be a good one.
1: Yeah, they're they're both great. Often often you don't get the time to do it so he can he's normally he's he's still incredibly bashy through um a thing through a shock um because you're still doing five dice with lots of crits um and gem, then yeah. and then seven dice with by spending three power to to get those um stagger's fine but often but obviously it's just taking one of his um one of his actions they still got two right. so often if you stagger him and he's next to a model he can probably still daze them which is pretty terrifying um he's also he also ends up really really he's really really power hungry um and the fact that he can't be stunned is huge um because that would that would be the answer um but yeah loading him up with status conditions <laughs> is 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 great um slow's often not particularly good because because he's got the 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 sort of like the functional movement of portaling someone towards you Mm -mm. yeah I I don't know what the answer is but I know the the answers that I know of are all the other things that are already good which is a bit of a shame so like I said it's you know good Wakanda rosters, criminal syndicate doing the things they really want to be doing and putting models through through portals or like putting a modoc through a portal, double attacking and then moving people about
0: all right. Well, I think we've exploited your your Thanos knowledge quite a bit. Um, <clears throat> we're gonna go ahead and move on to our questions that we haven't done in quite a while. Um, so, and we're gonna have Matt join us with these as well. If you can, have you have some thoughts to answer some of these? Um, one that came in quite recently, actually, from JD Nerd, that I thought was quite interesting. He said, "Here's one I've been thinking about." a bit recently and interested to hear people's thoughts on rank the following in terms of their impact as skill differentiators character selection tactic selection crisis selection and he said for example does understanding which characters are good or bad have a bigger impact on your performance than understanding which tactics are good or bad versus which crises are good or bad for the roster you've built um so what do you what do you think? About oh that man, speech?
3: put me right on the spot. <laughs> um, I think honestly it's not fair to, to really answer this because I think they all come together. You know, like maybe you do them in different orders, mm-hmm. but I think they're all equally important. Um, but I guess because I'm, he asked the question, I'm not going to be lame and not answer it. <laughs> um, I, I I like how Matt said earlier about some people just seem to make a list and they're like, this is my list, and they're like like you said, people maybe think they have a plan, but maybe they don't have a plan. So I, I do think making a roster and like trying to have a plan is a pretty big deal. And then understanding what that plan is and then exploiting it through tactics cards and crisis cards. So, I mean, you kind of can't really do that. If you don't have a roster, um, um go next with crisis cards because even though tactics cards are pretty cool i mean people have been doing the tournament with only three tactics cards and uh you know with the restricted list how many choices are you even
2: making like so i don't know i guess i'd go with that and
3: I don't know what the questions we've asked Matt today. We asked about secures and extracts, and and actually I'm going to sneak this in here because I wanted to mention it from earlier. Um, Matt was mentioning how maybe season three and earlier people were really focused on securing things. I think one of the things that uh, Morgan did really well in uh, season three was running um, alien ship scrolls and mystic herbs, and basically uh, like deciding how a game is played. I, like, it was just ridiculous with his Black Order, the the way he could just take any of those three, which had, like, the perfect numbers for him, and kind of force the game to be played at his pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, now, obviously, with Hired Muscle and people are, you know, breaking it even more. But I got to give props to Morgan. He may be, in my mind, one of the first people to really look at extracts and say, I can break this. And uh, anyway, so that that's my answer. Um, I don't know if you want to take this, Jacob.
4: Yeah, um, I, I kind of have a slightly different way of looking at it rather than what's uh, got the biggest impact. Which one is the hardest one to do well is kind of, I think, a different take on the same question. So I'm going to take that question and change it slightly. <laughs> <laughs> go for it's it. easiest to build a decent roster of characters to go. Well, here are my affiliated characters, characters that have a good citizenship.
3: Jacob, you're losing your audio.
4: OK, let me try again. Sound better?
3: Yeah, it sounded like, and I'm sure you're not doing this, but it sounded like your like mic yep, was like running better.
4: away from you and you're screaming at it. OK, let me go again. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. well, I'm going to take that question and just change it slightly. It talks about the biggest impact of skill differentiators. I think it's the way I'm, I, I want to look at this question is, which ones of these are the hardest skills to do well and i think looking at it that way the easiest one to do well is character selection it's really easy i think to or it's relatively easy to go here's a bunch of affiliated characters in an affiliation i want to play and here are some other characters that have got good synergies either with the characters or with the leadership so like here's some avengers and I'm going to take Loki because he's got loads of powers that I can reduce by one, so brilliant, put Loki in there. I think that is something that a lot of us came to very quickly and started building decent rosters of characters. Um, I think the next step up from that is tactic selection, Uh, and again, this is kind of mirroring my own journey through the game, but then going, okay, well now that I've got my roster of characters, and this kind of also mirrors a little bit how I build rosters. You kind of have a concept and you think about the characters and then you think about the tactics and Maybe the, maybe the crisis comes last, or maybe it comes first, and there's different ways to think about that. But either way, tactics, I, I feel like when, which tactics to take and when to play them, that's, that's a harder skill than uh, which characters. But I think the highest on my, my hierarchy of, of skill is crisis selection. I think that if you get that wrong, it can just really lose you a game. You know, playing uh, a controlly web warriors list and you're choosing demons as your skewers. But that, that, it feel, it's going to feel really bad because it's a slow secure and they're going to take more damage and they're not very tanky anyway and they want to be all spread out. Uh, not having a good grasp on which crises your list wants to play is the easiest way to use the game, I think.
0: So my take on it is, it's kind of similar, but actually answering his question more specifically instead of <laughs> altering I it, it is, I think, <laughs> think crises are like crisis are really like what it all comes down to. Like you may start with characters and think, Oh, this crisis are good for these characters and these tactics cards are good for this crisis. But just that answers the question right there. Like it all is what is important to the crisis and getting me victory points. Um, That's kind of what it comes down to as like, what's the most important is how the crisis is played out and how I'm going to effectively play this crisis. So to me, it's crisis is number one followed by characters followed by tactics cards.
4: Hey desert, it's a bit sunny over here. Could you throw a bit more shade
1: <laughs> my way? <laughs> yeah, I think you know the how you win the game, like at the end of the day, aren't they? Crises and and the best the best thing about this game, or one of the best things about this game, in my opinion, is um, the Middle Earth um, strategy battle game made by Games Workshop, and so tournaments of that all start up in about six months, and building army lists for it is like so hard. Because there's just a randomly drawn mission at the start of the game that you play or the tournament will set them. And so sometimes you'll just lose because your army's not going to be good enough at that. And you could never make something that, that can build, that can defeat everything. But in Crisis Protocol, you're never a complete underdog. And so if you ever play a crisis lineup in a game where, at, you know, like a threat level or, you know, the combination of crises... Um, just didn't work for you and you felt like you were really behind you've obviously made a huge mistake at some point Um, and it's probably crisis election and you see it don't you where you see it in the various discords all the time like you see it in your discord you see it in the the main um tts discord league um chat where someone's like this is my roster and then they put 10 characters and you think that's not a roster that's 10 characters how are you gonna win so, yeah, I think, I think crises is, is, crisis selection is the most important, both in roster building and when you select it into your opponent. I think tactics ta- tactics card selection is the one where you can, you you know how good your opponent is um, right away. Like, if someone shows you their roster and it's got, you know, end of the line, one-two punch, and I can't think of Underwave. another one. That, Underwave yeah thunder and you know other ones that i wouldn't be able to think of off the top of my head because i'd never dream of playing them if they've got those you're like okay this is probably a, a, a comfortable a comfortable game i'm gonna play
4: and um, but or um... well, they've got some great jank and you are in for <laughs> yeah and you're about to get
1: blown away and tell all your pals about it and it's going to be brilliant yeah absolutely um and it's a testament to the game design that characters is so low down on that list for everyone because it's so hard to actually make a it's a, it's so hard to make an affiliated ten man roster that has enough bad characters in it to be really bad, isn't it? Like how would you even go about doing that?
4: Start with Ultron.
3: <laughs> yeah, fair. I, I think you guys are underselling making a list though. I mean, one of the reasons you're here is you figured out that like time on Thanos is pretty cool, and having priority all the time, and making three characters work, and how do I get three characters to work at all the different threat values? Like, as you went down the list of like I'd play Thor or I'd play Valkyrie, you know, et cetera, et cetera, it's mo- making a roster is not select ten characters, move on. Like, there's how do I play these ten characters at fourteen to twenty? You know, um. Is this list even good at, like, say, 16 threat? You know?
4: When when, when you've built a list, and you're iterating on it, you're playing it, and you're making changes, the thing that I change most frequently is the character lineup. Occasionally, I'll take in a tactic card, or put one take, bring in another one. Maybe I'll swap this extract for that extract. But the things that I'm looking at that change the most are, hang on, I just don't have a good slot for this character. They can just leave, and I'll bring another one in. Mm
1: yeah and that what i what i tend to do is I'll, I'll like write down my 10 characters and then i'll assign each threat value like a symbol and then i'll put the symbol next to the characters for each D- does that make sense for like so let's say like, like eight, 18 is a star 20 is a triangle and then at the end of it you know thanos has like five symbols next to him because he's played at five threats etc and then i'm like if i've got one person who's only played at like one threat value
4: i think could you be someone else Yeah, and then there's a really good um, Google Sheets kind of thing that does that. Where you fill in your roster, and then it has like slots for you to build your uh, your different threat values. Uh, We'll put a link in the show notes for people who want to have a look at that.
3: Yeah, I've used that. I do prefer actually building lists in TTS. I'm surprised you guys don't do that, since there's the cool list builder thing, and then you can actually save the rosters like it it'll, it says oh, number 14 to yeah. 20 yeah. you click the guys you like and then you you right click and it saves them and then you can go over it back and forth like it's kind of like you're saying like i i've done that where i'm like am i forcing this character cuz i like this character cuz they're only fitting really in one threat value and like is there a different character for that exact threat value that would be even better for that one threat value you know and it just it's a lot of thinking you know like how fast is this character's maybe this this one yeah. uh you know, combination of extract security card like could use some more speed or whatever.
1: Um, how often, when you're playing, um, you know, you've just had the the crises have just been selected. Your opponent selected the threat value. Let's say they've got priority. How often do you find you actually have to like sit and think about what characters you're then going to be playing and how much of it is just okay? This is happening. It's these. Well, i already thought that's, about. that's this. a fixed question though because like obviously i want to
3: know before i get a game unless it's a practice game, yeah sure right like there are times like when i first played anything i i'm like i think this is good and then i'm sitting there rethinking it in the practice game but in like a league game i, suppose... I already know what i'm gonna do and ahead of time
1: I, sp- I suppose that was a disingenuous <laughs> que- ingenuous question perhaps what i meant was do you think that you should know what you're picking in the majority of those situations, rather than having to think about it. I think in any, and, in any competitive
3: I, game, you should never be surprised. And if you are surprised, it's usually a bad sign. Uh, I find that in any game I play. The minute I'm surprised, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. Like, oh no, why am I here? And how did I get here?
1: Yeah, I I'm, think, one of, I'm one of the fish.
3: <laughs> yeah, you, you, mm. it, it, that's when you see someone who has a list that makes no sense. Like, I'm sure some of your first opponents were like, what is this guy doing? Um, And and then, you know, after they experience it, and they they are not surprised anymore, they've seen what you can do. And now they're thinking, how do I beat that? Right? It's just it's sort of the evolution of things. But in a strategy game, you should not want to be you don't want to be surprised. And that's probably why people listen to podcasts and things like that. They, they don't always get to play or meet someone named TBE Matt, and they get to learn through other people's mistakes. Yeah, and then they start playing it against their friends. But um, that, I, do you disagree? I mean, I played a lot of games, and like the minute I'm surprised, it's usually not going well for me.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm. I. I agree. I mean, when I, when I, the list I've I've been playing a lot are quite prescriptive. Um, but yes, I would tend to want to know exactly what I'm doing in most situations. I think that flies in the face of what the discourses were about how your rosters should be built from about six, nine months ago when people were talking about, you know, having single affiliation rosters and then being like really deep. So, you know, you have your sort of three or four characters, three characters you play in most games, and then you've got
4: all these other characters to try and fill all these gaps. Yeah, but, I've got, well, you know, Miles for if I need to steal a scroll of someone, and I've got jury for when I'm playing Gamma, and none of those are in your roster.
3: Yeah, it's a little too flexible, though, <laughs> if you're doing that. But that, that's maybe a philosophical thing. I think the game's getting so wide now, it's much harder, too, to play like that. Like, back in the earlier seasons, I could play, like, a ball and then have, like, literally, like, I don't know, at least three characters with, like, f- almost fluff. Because like I didn't really need them for much. So but nowadays there's you know, we have 14 threat now, and a lot more common like different, you know, flex things that are going on. It's just it's a lot harder now, it seems to me, to to have like almost like a sideboard. That's how I looked at it early on. I was like, I have a sideboard.
4: This kind of segues quite nicely into another question we've got from uh, Jay Zucculo, which I've probably said wrong. Apologies. When should I make level 2 plays as opposed to level 1? For example, I see my opponent has MODOK in their roster, and I have Magneto. Level 1 says I should play Magneto as a counter, If I think my opponent won't play MODOK, because I may run Magneto. Should I run him anyway, or go to level 2 and run something different? Anyone want to
1: tackle? Never. <laughs> Never. The, oh. it's, it's a fallacy. The, good, the, the really good models are really good, whether you play a counter into them or not. Yeah.
4: Would, uh, would be my, yeah. My answer to that specific situation is play Magneto because he's a boss, yeah, exactly. Uh, he, well, he I, think it have...
0: also, I was gonna say, I think it also comes into like, let's say you decided to pick it as the counter, or you decide to pick the other one, which are, regardless, it's your deployment state is really going to come down to it because if he sees you got that Magneto there, he's going to hold that Modoc until you place your Magneto. Um, hmm and It could be completely the other side of the board and completely screw over your whole entire plan, and Modok's still going to wreck havoc, um, or vice versa, whichever it is. Um.
3: Yeah, I'm with you. That's actually a really decent point. Like, it's possible, you know, you put Modok in the middle, and then they put Magneto in the middle, and you have like this staring contest. And then I guess you add in Asteroid M, which makes it even weirder. Um, you know, so who's countering who here? I don't know. There's, there's a lot of things in this game that are really interesting decisions. So I think trying to play a counter character in itself might be kind of a flawed concept. Because um, you can play in the game as a counter. Like we've talked about before, like run away from MODOK. Why, why are you charging MODOK? You know, pick an extractor secure that allows you to avoid MODOK, you know? There's a lot of other ways to counter a character without like having someone in your list strictly to counter a character.
4: Okay, I've got a few questions which are rapid fire. So just like one or two sentences answers, guys. So there's this guy, TP Matt, who asked, What is the most common mistake that new players make? I don't know. Uh <laughs> I, think, I, I think we covered yeah. that in uh, Judy yeah. Nerd's question. Okay. Uh if you could so this is from oh my god, Ziconia. I wanna probably said that wrong. If you could be any animal, what would it be and why? Oh my gosh. Um, uh, turtle. A oh, right. turtle. A wolf. Turtle.
2: A wolf. Some sort of bird.
4: Dizzard.
0: Oh, I said. I said
4: a turtle. <laughs> a, I, you guys are wrong. Be a cat. Cats are amazing. <laughs> you sleep all day. People feed you. Uh, you can do all kinds of things that humans can't get away with. No, be a, a cat. A
1: hummingbird's the right answer because then you have to eat your body weight in sugar every day or you'll die. I'd
4: like that. <laughs> uh, that works. Uh, okay, uh, I think this is like a lore question. Which of the currently released characters is the youngest, which is the oldest? This is from Kill Panic. What the hell? I think probably Miles Morales feels like he's probably the youngest. I think he's like teenage Spider-Man age.
3: Gwen might be younger. I don't know, though. They're, they're probably roughly the same, right?
4: No, she's not, because she's from the alternate reality when Peter Fair. Parker died. So she's about the same age as Peter Fair. Parker. I think Mystique's the oldest. Uh, or Wolverine. Wolverine no, I maybe, re- too. Uh, maybe Wolverine, but I'm gonna go with Hela because Hela's oh. the oldest daughter of oh, Odin, right. and he's like would Thanos. Be the oldest? Oh yeah,
3: mm-hmm. these characters are getting to the thousands, and I was thinking hundreds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, you win. It's probably
4: Thanos.
0: <laughs> I would go. With, I would say Thanos. Yeah,
4: I'm still gonna go with Hela. I think Hela's older than
0: Thanos. Oh. Maybe. <laughs>
4: Uh, Come we'll to our Discord war, and tell us if we're wrong. Yeah, um, Laura is not our strong start. No. Too. Hell is older.
1: Hell is just, check,
4: just checked. Yeah, by two thousand uh, years. Older is that than it?
1: Panels.
3: Oh wow! <laughs> and I thought, oh, <laughs> oh Logan's you know. been in World War Two, dude. That's so old. <laughs>
4: <laughs> um. Cool. Some some hot takes on animals and uh, age of characters there. So.
0: Matt, do you have anything else you'd like to say before we close out for the day?
4: I think all your
1: listeners will be pretty sure they've heard enough of my voice by now. <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, I think it's great. I've not heard you on any other podcast, and I think it's really good to get more voices uh, into the into the content creation community. Uh, you're already podcasting ASF and Magic, so uh, when's the Matt uh, MCP podcast starting up?
1: Uh, I'll... At some point, someone will ask me to do one and say they'll do the editing, and then my arm will probably be twisted. I think (laughs) that's all it takes. But if I'm in, yeah, but if I'm in, if I if I've got more in charge of the content creation, it'll be a lot more ranty uh, and a lot more um, critical of bad things that people are doing. I think.
4: Hey, Uh, I think as a speaker, I quite enjoy a good rant. Yeah, (laughs) I'll I'll listen (laughs) to that. Angry.
3: All right, well, Matt, thanks for being on. I'm definitely going to ask you some magic questions as soon as this ends. (laughs) My pleasure, guys.
0: It was a great conversation and a lot of fun. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of The Danger Room. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something to level up your next game. You can reach out to us on our Discord, Twitter, or Facebook. The links will be in the description. We have a questions channel on our Discord, so feel free to drop us some questions in there, and we'll answer them on the show. Thank you for taking the time and listening to us. If you're liking what you hear, leave a rating or comment or even both. We appreciate any feedback to help us grow and become a better group to bring you the best quality content that we can. See you next time in the Danger Room. See you later.